Will you please help us, Lord, to move into the third dimension right now and so that we can acknowledge, Lord, that's the place where you are found. And so please speak to us and teach us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 13. I'm convinced, you know, as I go around teaching the the Word of God that uh, a big problem in wide circles in this nation is that People have a very poor understanding about really who they are. Understand, when you understand who you are, it really changes considerably your walk with God. Come on, can I hear an amen? And I want you to look at somebody and make this confession. I want you to make this statement. You know, when you seal it, nobody can steal it. Say it. When I seal it, no one can steal it. And I want you to look at somebody and confess to them, I am a child of the Christ. I'm in Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to move as fast as I can. Uh, Verse 1, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore, a lot of people there. And he spake many things to them in parables. Those of you that have studied Matthew 13, you'll know that the entire chapter 13 is devoted to the sower and the seed. Amen? Uh, With exception of verse 45 where he talks about the pearl. And so uh, he spoke many things unto them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Now, what does the sower sow? Come on, give me some interaction. What does the sower Yeah, he sows seed. Everybody say it. Look at, look at the person next to you and just do it for the sake of fun. Look at that person and say, it's all about the seed, stupid. <laughs> Genius. You know, we, we so oftentimes get it wrong. You know people get it wrong because they focus on the wrong direction. You know, you can read the verse, and then it's amazing how you can put the magnifying glass on the wrong word and place emphasis on the wrong area and then get it entirely wrong. People have entire doctrines that form because they place the emphasis on a wrong part of a sentence. And, you know, it's like... Last year, late last year, I went to Oregon to go and teach there, and uh, uh, somebody asked me there to, to uh, actually the pastor asked me to teach uh, that's, that Wednesday on the gifts. And I said, no, now, because he told me they're working through the Bible, and I said, where are you reading today? He said, oh, 1 Corinthians 12. And I said, no, 1 Corinthians 12 doesn't deal with the gifts. He said, oh yeah, it does. You know, 1 Corinthians 12. (laughs) And I said, yes, I understood that the first time, but it doesn't deal with the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12. He said, let me get my Bible. So he got his Bible out. And if uh, they can put the verse up there, don't go there in your Bible because I don't want to distract you. But just put it up there on the the screen. And so he opened his Bible and read the verse, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be... I said, whoa, slow down. 
Read it again. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. So I asked him, look at the verse, uh, look at the word gifts. What does the word gifts look like? Well, the word gifts is italicized. So what does that mean? What does it mean when a word is italicized in your Bible? Come and help me. Tonight we're going to just act as we're in a class. It's an added word. So that means the Bible translators, for whatever reason, added the word, and then they italicized it just so that you and I know that's an added word. So I said, now read that verse without the added word. Now, concerning spiritual brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. See, it opens up a whole wide new world. Because the focus is on spiritual children of God. Come on, can I hear an amen? Now, he goes on in the rest of the chapter to say, you know, these men and women of God, whatever they need, God will provide. To some, he gives prophecy. To some, he gives tongues. Some, he gives this. Some, he gives that. It's just, you know, God saying and Paul teaching, you know, for these that walk with God, these, I don't want you to be ignorant about them. They're spiritual. These are spiritual men and women of God, and I want to talk to you about you tonight. Okay? I'm not going to talk to the person next to you. I'm only talking to you. Amen? Is that okay? Now, having said that, Jesus says that a sower goes out to sow. And so they asked him later on in the chapter, after he was teaching, he said in verse, uh, in verse 9, he says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to us in parables or to them in parables? And Jesus answered, because it is given to some to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to others it is not given. To some, you understand, some can understand the mystery of the kingdom. What was he saying the sower went forth to sow? Seed. Come on, help me out tonight. You need to stay with me because they're recording here, and I want to have those that listen to the recording to say, wow, that's a right uh, awake church. Listen to them, you know. Okay, so, and now verse 14, are you there? Now, I want you to just be alive with me tonight. He says, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, by hearing they shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing they shall see, but they shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with them. You know, there's nobody as blind as the one that wants to be blind. It's amazing how people can close their ears. When you talk about certain subjects, they will close their ears. Or they will harden their hearts. And Jesus said that, you know, there's... A generation or people in that generation is like that. Now he says in verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Amen. So that's what I want to teach about tonight. We're going to teach about the seed. Say it's all about the seed, genius. (laughs) Amen. Now go to Malachi. I'm going to do some illustrations on the board. Can you guys in the back see? Can you see it? There in the back. Matt, can you see that? 
I really don't care about Matt too much because he's already halfway backslidden. <laughs> I'm kidding, Matt. Uh, Malachi. Now, the moment, listen, the moment I go to the book of Malachi, what am I going to speak about? Tithing. It's amazing how people connect, you know, just one thing. It's like, if I go to 1 Corinthians 12, you ask a church. If I go to 1 Corinthians 12, what am I going to speak about? They'll tell you gifts. And when you go to Malachi, you see, that's where the focus goes. That's why a lot of people don't even read I bet you that half of this crowd have never properly read Malachi because we go to just one verse, and that is chapter 3 and verse 10, Bring ye therefore the whole tithe unto the Lord. And the same way when you speak about seed, so many evangelists and preachers across the nation have just absolutely wore, worn that thing just to no end because the moment you talk about seed, people think you're going to talk about money. You understand? And that's not the case. Everything you see here is about seed. The chairs you sit on came from a seed. The carpets you walk upon here, everything. And then the person next to you, we came from a seed. It's all about the seed. Now in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15, go with me there. Now, you need to work in your Bible tonight, otherwise you're going to miss this whole thing. You need to see it with your eyes. Having eyes, ask God, let me perceive. Having ears, God, hear, uh, grant that I may hear, that I may listen, and, and so on. So, Malachi 2 and verse 15, God brings out something very important since we're going to talk about the seed. He brings out this thing here in Malachi 2 and verse 15, and he says, Now God, did he not just make one? Everybody say, he made just one. No, say it really loud. Say, he made just one. And then he's saying, yet had he the residue of the Spirit. That means he had enough to make more than one, but he made just one. Now he's asking, why did he just make one? And then the answer is in that same verse. He says, therefore, he says uh, that, he says, and therefore, wherefore just one. And then he answers, so that he may seek a godly seed. Okay, so let's, let's read that again. And then he says at the end there, he says, now, take heed to your spirit. Very important you get this. See, tonight God is going to revolutionize your way. And your life, everything about you will be revolutionized tonight. Your thinking, everything about you is going to change. From here on, you're going to understand who you are. We're not just an add-on. We're not just an individual entity or an identity. We are of Christ. Come on, can I hear an amen? Say it. We are of Christ. And so, he says, take heed to your spirit. Now, he says, he made just one. And the question is, why did he just make one? And the answer is, I want you to get that. That's why I'm repeating it. Why did he just make one? So uh, let me make it easier. I say, why did he make one? And then, you, and then your answer should be, so, that he may find a godly seed. See, that's what God is looking for. See, whenever God comes to you or to me, he's not... He's not influenced by our uh, academical 
qualifications or your membership in the church or what happened to you way back yonder. When he comes to you, he's looking for just one thing, and that is, are you a godly seed? Hmm? See, that's the question that only you can answer. Are you a godly seed? Now, listen to me. That's the most important question you'll ever answer. See, I mean, the dumbest fool will be the one who lies to himself. You have to answer for yourself. Am I a godly seed? And if you can answer that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, positively, you're on your way. Now, the question is also, you know, does God agree? And you'll see that tonight and then measure yourself. Amen? Everybody say amen. <clears throat> Here, let me explain before we go back to Malachi. Just keep your Bible ready at Malachi. Raul, please give me that water. And so, thank you. Let, let me explain something to you. He's talking about a seed, and here's, here's how it works. And in the beginning, it's going to sound like, you know, where's this guy going to go? But at the end, it'll all come together. You see, in the beginning, let's say God in the beginning made a peach. And so, years passes by, 6,000 years passes by, and if you take the seed that is in there, and you plant that seed, what is going to come up? The same peach. Everybody say the same peach. And you know why? It's because, because it can, comes from that original seed. Because what God does is when he puts the seed in there, it's the seed of perpetuality. So what he does is he, after he made it, you remember I spoke about it yesterday, he put it on the wheel, and on the wheel he puts the seed in there. So he doesn't have to make it again. So at the end of the season, at that time in Eden or wherever, when the season caused the tree to lose its leaves and it became visibly a barren tree, and then when the springtime came, God did not have to make another, another peach because he made just one. Yes? And so... All that God is looking for in the new season and in each new season is God is looking for what? A godly seed. Come on, you've got to say that word in there. A godly seed. Now, what is the opposite to a godly seed? It's ungodly or it's a corrupted seed. See, if you have a corrupted seed, then you, you, you don't know what's going to happen with that seed. But if it's a godly seed, it has inside it, it carries inside it the heavenly decree of God that put an instruction, put a command in there. Put that decree inside that seed. When they put you in the ground and when you die, you will grow and become a peach again. Come on, give God a praise offering. That's, that's how it works. And so really, it doesn't matter what, how many years it passes by, that peach is not going to become a banana. Yes? And so, having said that now, we come to uh, the, the, the second phase that I want to just bring under your attention. And this is the part that bothers me the most. You understand? Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, If... You are of Christ, you are of Abraham's seed. 
Yes? You cannot be of any other seed. You only, if you're in the kingdom, then you must be of that kind. You cannot be of another kind. That's why Jesus said that there's, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Yes? And so, 2,000 years ago, when Christ came into the world, Bible says that the Word, now remember, Christ is of the seed of Abraham, and we'll get there in a, in a minute. He's of the seed of Abraham. And so the seed here became flesh. Now this is the part I want you to get. Are you, are you listening carefully? Listen, this is the part you must get. Christ is of the seed of Abraham. I want you to say that. That means just like Abraham was. And whatever Abraham did, I'm talking about the spiritual. So Christ came, but he became the fulfillment of all of it. Where Abraham at times failed, Christ does not fail. And so now he became the word, say the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And so now when that seed is now passed on, no matter how long, and that seed is planted and dies within itself and then grows, what are you going to become? It's amazing. People are hesitant to say it. We become the Word. See, we become, say it. If the apple is planted, it becomes an? Now, if the word is planted, it becomes the word. You understand? That's what people have to get into their minds. You are not ordinary. Come on, let me hear a better amen than that. Come on, somebody help me preach here tonight. Say it, I'm not ordinary. You understand, when I am of Christ, that means I am a supernatural example of Christ himself. Come on, give God a praise offering. So then, I become the word that's made flesh. Wherever I dwell, wherever you dwell, you become him. Doesn't mean like we're a bunch of Jesuses. Little Jesus, but we become him in every sense of the word. Our personality, our ways, our responses, our reactions. The way we deal with situations, we must be like him. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You cannot tell me that you're a child of God and then carry around with unforgiveness in your heart. You're a corrupted seed. If I am of Christ, then I, there's no but, there's no excuse. I must be like Him. Otherwise, God overlooks me. 
If I am of Christ, I cannot carry around bitterness or hatred in my heart. Come on, help me preach here. You cannot. You cannot convince me of that. You cannot tell me you're a child of God. And no matter what kind of excuse you bring, you say, Brother Venter, but you don't understand what happened in my past. Listen, I don't have to understand. You cannot tell me that your misery can be compared with what happened to the Christ. And so God is expecting us to produce exactly what His Son produced. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Now, you cannot tell me that you are a child of God, born of his incorruptible seed, and then walk around with selfish, selfishness in your heart or selfish ambitions. Because that's not how he is. Help me out. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say, I told you you've got to stop being so pitiful. (laughs) Now, are, are you with me so far? Look at that person next to you again one more time. Say you need a checkup from the neck up. Now, you remember I told you, and I'm going to take you on a short journey now before we read Malachi. Very important. I told you before that Christ is of the seed of Abraham. That's what the Bible says. Galatians 3 and 16. We are of the seed of Abraham. Christ was of the seed of Abraham. Now, obviously, he had a divine father, our heavenly father. But we're talking about the man, Christ Jesus. Don't never forget that the example he came to set for us was not as God. But he became flesh so that he could be tempted in every way like us. And leave for us an example to follow, so that now when we become of him, we're just like him. And it's a great feeling, by the way. Now, as you study the Word of God, first thing, if you're a Bible scholar, you find out that you have to know and understand the bloodline. Yes? That means the bloodline tells you where we're from. See, the bloodline is going to reveal to you how God works. Because God is looking for a godly seed. And if you are not a godly seed, I'm going to show you tonight, God overlooks you. How many of you don't want to be overlooked by God? Let me see your hands. I don't want to be overlooked by God. See, people don't understand that. You know, people have a hard time understanding that God can reject you. God, you must understand, is a killer. Boy, that's, that made you stop chewing bubblegum. <laughs> you have to understand, 
God wiped out the entire pre-Adamite world. He wiped out the entire civilization at the time of Noah. He wiped out cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we can go on and on and on. You must understand, he's God. He's not going to consider you and I because, you know, we have money or talent or whatever. He's looking for just one thing, and that is a godly seed. And so now we follow the seed. We start with Adam. And I want you to give me your response. And even if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. You have the right to be wrong. We start with Adam. And so remember, the seed goes from the father to the firstborn. Say it, the father to the firstborn. And so Adam's, right in the beginning, we find that the firstborn was whom? Cain. And so did the seed go to Cain? No. Why? It's because he became a murderer. He slew his brother. And so it didn't go to Abel because he died. So it went to whom? It went to Seth. So let's put it in there. So then we go from there on, and when you pursue the bloodline, you find out that there was really no corrupted seed. I'm talking about the firstborn. It went from, you know, the father to the firstborn continuously. We find one of the big names here is is Enoch. And then the next big name that we can put in here is Noah. Okay? And what is the next big name? Say it loud. Abraham. But we need to talk about Abraham here just shortly. There's one name here that you're missing. Who was the firstborn of Noah? Was Shem. He had three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so Ham and Japheth, they became corrupted seeds. And I cannot talk about that. But they became corrupted seeds. And so... God put in the firstborn over here, and I'll write his name here so you can clearly see it. Um, Sorry. Can you read it from there? Melchizedek. See, a lot of people have absolutely, you know, big problems with that because they say, well, Melchizedek had no... Father and no mother, and had no, neither beginning nor end. You study the Bible, you go into some of the historical books, you find out that Shem went, became the high priest that went to Salem. Later on, they made him king. So he became a priest and king, which became a type of Christ. But Melchizedek was actually only a title. It's called the Order of Melchizedek. It's a title. Titles don't have fathers and mothers. And so I, I put that in here because that's an important one as we follow the seed now. By the way, this entire teaching is on the table. It's in a book form called The Seedlings. You've got to get that. And so what happened here is after the flood with Noah, there was a gap here. Something happened and... There was a gap. Melchizedek, when you look at his, or at, at Shem, his firstborn became corrupted. And so you have a situation here that who's going to carry the seed? And so the next one that came was a man called Abraham. But I want to talk to you about Abraham quickly so you can understand. Abraham came from Terah. 
Terah was in Ur of the Chaldeans. That's Babylon or Iraq as we know it today. His father was an ungodly man. He was a corrupted seed. They were part of the family of Noah and Shem, obviously, you know, because they were the people that lived after Noah, after the destruction. But he was an ungodly person. And so what happened is that when Abraham was, uh, was born, an announcement went out, a prophecy of sorts, that went out to that evil king Nimrod. And it was told Nimrod that Abraham was going to become very great, bigger than any uh, earthly king. Jealousy got a hold of Nimrod, and Nimrod sent for Terah, who came in there, and then he told Terah, the boy cannot live. And so what he did is he told Terah, I'll give you a house full of silver and gold, and gold, but the boy has to die. So bring the boy. Abraham went back and uh, to his family, explained what happened, and so a plan was made. And so what they did is they took a baby boy from one of the slave women and brought the boy instead of Abraham. And the king did exactly what he said and killed the boy. This is not in the Bible, by the way. You have to go to some historical books to, to find that. And so uh, he killed the, ba- the boy, gave Terah the money that he promised. Uh, Terah went back to his family and his wife and said, you cannot stay here. Now, I want, to, I want you to see the plan of God unfold. And so the wife with Abraham fled eastward. And ran into Noah and Shem, who then introduced him to Jehovah and educated the boy as to the ways of God. Say it, say it. The ways of God. Come on, say it again. The you understand? That's one of the problems of our time. People don't understand the ways of God. So they taught Abraham under. Well, that feels good when you say that, isn't it? So, so uh, let's say that again. So for me to be successful, I've got to know the? And so Abraham spent 50 years there and then went back. A little interesting news here. When he went back to Terah, he said to Terah, I found the real God. Terah had 12 idols in one of his tents that they bowed down to on a daily basis. And so Terah became absolutely angry when Abraham tried to convince him that that's only wood. So one of the days when Terah went out to hunt, Abraham took an axe and chopped up 11 of the 12 and then took the 12th one and tied the axe in his hand like that. And so when Terah came back, he wanted to know, who done this? Abraham said, It's that jealous God. He's so jealous. He chopped up all 11. He still has the axe in his hand. And Terah said, how can you expect me to believe that? You know, that's that's just wood. And Abraham said, Dad, I told you that all along. But it had to come out of your mouth. And so then he persuaded his father that there's only one God. So they moved now we're back in the Bible. So they moved eastward. You know the story of, of, uh, 
uh, his cousin, Lot, and how they split up, and how that the evil kings, five evil kings under Cherilomer, made war against Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and took them all captive. And Abraham, when he heard about this, took 300 men and moved out against these evil kings and defeated that mighty army with the help of God. Everybody say, with the Now you understand, Christ is of the seed of Abraham, and I am of, and you are of the seed of Christ. It's the same seed, we're following the seed. So here comes the thing that we now have to understand, is that when we look at Abraham, when he comes back from the war, very important, say it, very important. When he comes back from the war... He has defeated those kings and he runs into somebody he knows. And his name is, come on, say it. Melchizedek. I want the whole church to say it. His name was? And so what does he do that was of great significance? He paid, he paid 10%. Now watch this. See this gap here? The moment he paid 10%. Remember he's not the seed of, of, uh, uh, of Adam as it were. Indirectly he is, but not of the firstborn line. So when the moment he pays the 10%, guess what happens? God bridges the gap. And brings in Abraham now as the father of faith. Say, he brought him in as the father of faith. Now, let me get this right, because I want you to get it, church. What built the bridge? The tithe. You know, there's a lot of ignorant people that wants to say to us and other people, you know, tithing is Old Testament. It's law. I mean, how dumb can you be and then still keep on breathing? (laughs) You know, it's not the law. It was done way before the law. It's the ways of God. See, you have to understand the... Come on, a little louder. You have to understand the... I want that to sink in. So then, okay, from Abraham now, we've got Abraham. And then, so the next one, it's in his seed is whom? So we got Isaac. Well, you got that one right fast. So then after Isaac comes, we got Jacob. Oh, really? Wait a minute. It's easy to overlook a problem. Because who was the firstborn? Esau, right? So Esau was the firstborn. But as we'll see in Malachi here shortly, God disliked him for what he did. And he would say later on, I hated Jacob, Esau, and I loved Jacob. So what he did is God did not pick Esau because Esau was a, come and say it, a, Corrupted seed. So, what does God do with a corrupted 
sheep, he overlooks them. So he went to Jacob. And so Jacob, here comes the problem now. Jacob had 12 sons. And so the firstborn that's of Jacob, his name, I'll tell you quickly, was Reuben. Did the seed go to Reuben? No, Reuben was a corrupted seed. Did the seed go to Simeon? Why? Did the seed go to Levi? Why? Was corrupted seed. Did the seed go to Judah? Huh? Yes. But here's a problem, though. The seed actually did not go to uh, Jacob here because here was another gap. And so just like in the time of Abraham, God had to do something special. Here's the gap. This gap here is the captivity of, the, of Israel in Egypt. You remember, after Jacob came the Egyptian captivity. And they went into slavery. Say it, they went into slavery. And so what happens now is God took, uh, what, what is your name? Um, Judah. And brought him in a different line. Reason why God did it, when you listen to the prophecies that Jacob spoke out over his sons, the prophecy over Judah would be that he would produce kings. See, so Judah produced kings. Say it, Judah produced kings. And so following him was a whole line of kings until eventually you come here to the king of kings, which is Christ. And I'll show you in a minute how God would bring Christ into the order of Melchizedek. And so he would bring him out of the lineage of Judah and bring him into the order of Melchizedek. And I'll tell you why. When you study the Bible, if you know anything about the Bible, God deals only with the priesthood. Well, how many of you can say amen because you agree with that? Say amen. He deals only with the priesthood. God, I mean, that happened throughout. It was only the priest and the high priest that could go into the presence of God. No one else. Everybody say no one else. Now, church, you have to understand, we're talking about the ways of God. And so what happened after this thing here... When we read Malachi here shortly, you're going to find out that following this incident here, God is going to restore the order of Melchizedek. And so what does he do? He brings in Aaron. And he says, I bring in Aaron and his sons. So we go from a new bloodline, Aaron and his sons. And this part of this line that comes here will now include the tribe of Levi. Because Abraham or Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. And Levi, though God overlooked him over here, because Levi the man was corrupted because how they murdered the man that raped their sister. Levi, as you'll see after the captivity, became a godly tribe and God dealt with him. Because God is looking for what? Now I can 
speak to you for a while. Now go to Malachi. Now do me a favor. If you don't mind, everybody just stand up and just face that wall. Just turn that way and face the wall. Just, if you don't mind, just stand up. Turn that way. And then put your hands on the shoulder of the front person in front of you and give them a shoulder rub. <laughs> and now turn around and let them return the favor. Go ahead. And now look at me, if you don't mind, and just stretch out a little bit and say, I've got to get my mind ready to receive this. <clears throat> now be seated. Thank you. Let's read Malachi now. Take your Bible. You have to follow in your Bible. Book of Malachi. We're going to start in chapter 1. And I'm going to read, just skip over verses, but I'm going to try and do as much of Malachi as I can because this will explain to you who you are and why you are and why you are not and why God overlooks you perhaps or maybe why you're not enjoying the favor of God. You must understand this. If you don't understand this, you'll keep on going on the folly of your way. And you have to absolutely remain in fear. You understand? Why is a person in fear? You know, person in fear is normally a child. When you grow up, you put the fear behind you because you know what works and what doesn't work. And when you see fear among God's people, it's normally because they are doing something wrong and they're not growing spiritually to their full stature. Hmm? Because if you're a son, boy, that's another subject. Left, left to speak to you about that sometime. When you're a son, then God says he did not give us the spirit of fear because it holds bondage. When you're a son and he recognizes you, first thing that disappears is the spirit of fear. Yes? And so now let's read this quickly. Are you in Malachi? Say I. He says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I've loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? And then God says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet I loved Jacob and I hated Esau. Why did God hate Esau? Quickly. He was a corrupted seed. You remember what he did? He had no concern about the ways of God. For a cheap pot of soup, he would sell out his birthright. Birthright means bloodline. And when he did that, God said, I absolutely reject him. And so he embraced Jacob. Now he says, and I laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness Whereas Edom said, we're impoverished, but we will return. Listen, we're impoverished. That's one of the problems. That's one of the problems of the church today, Pastor, as I go around. The church lies impoverished. It's just amazing. You try and talk to church people about finances and the blessings of God and the covenant of Abraham, and they'll close their ears immediately. It's like you're talking to the walls. God wants to turn things around. There is a word in the Bible that says God has the wealth of the wicked. God laid up the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. 
Let me go back to that sign quickly. What would you say? What would you say if I asked you the question, which currency is the most in circulation? Come on, say it out loud. Say it. Say it louder. The dollars. Go, when you get, get home, go and check this out. Uh, you just go and ask that question on Google and you'll find a graph. I didn't put the graph there. If you look, the dollar stack will be like that. Two dollar stack like that. Five dollar stack, a little smaller. Ten dollar stack, maybe a little bigger and so on. We go along and then, excuse me, you get to the hundred dollar stacks. But the problem is, we don't have it. Because we lay impoverished. Come on, help me. I get very excited when I speak about these things. Because the church don't want to wake up. They don't want to wake up. They fight for the right to remain miserable. They fight for the right to remain poor. How many of you have ever been very poor? Very poor. Let me see your hands. Yes? How, how poor were you? Start like that. Say, I was so poor. Tell me quickly. I was so poor. And then tell me how poor were you? You were so poor that you were homeless. Let me tell you how poor we were. We were so poor we went to KFC to go and lick other people's fingers. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to be poor. Say it. It's a terrible thing to be poor. When you're so poor that the cockroaches come to your house for a fast, you know you're poor. <laughs> and so God is speaking about, about what happens to somebody that I overlook. And he says, he's, I've laid these mountains waste. Okay? And uh, let's skip over. He says now in verse 6, a son, listen, the ways of God. Say it again, the ways of God. So let's look at the ways of God. He says, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's my honor? Hmm. And if I be a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts, unto you. Who? Unto who? Unto, unto you. Who? Say it. Look at the word in your Bible. Who's he talking to? Priests. God does not talk to anybody else. The Spirit will draw people to come into the kingdom. But once you're in the kingdom, he'll talk to his kind only. Now, I want to say something here right now tonight that, I mean, you need to go home and go and chew on it. If you don't please God, he don't talk to you. Come on, how many can amen that one? Amen. You please God, he talks to you. You please God, he brings all sorts of benefits to you. You please God, he says, I know what kind of plans I have for you. You please God, he says, I know how to prosper you. You please God, he says, I'll give you a hope and I'll give you a future. You please God, he brings the covenant of Abraham your way. In Deuteronomy 28, where he says, you'll be blessed sitting down, you'll be blessed getting up. You'll be blessed in the city, and you'll be blessed in the street. You'll be blessed coming, and you'll be blessed going. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. It's high time we wake up to this. There's just too many churches that are stuck in debt. 
And there's too many churches where God wants to bring about a real revival. But He can't because you're not ready financially. Amen. Because now we're talking about the seed. Look at somebody say, it's all about the seed, stupid. Now he's talking about honor. Now you go to verse 8 and he says, if you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not? Come on, say it loud. Why are you all afraid to speak? I think I should stand here in the middle. He says, he says when you bring the blind for a sacrifice, is it not? Don't say it like either. Say it with like you detest that. Say, when you bring a lame sacrifice, is it not? Evil. Say it's evil. evil. And when you bring the blind, you know, he says, try that with your governor. He says, try and see if he'll be pleased with it. I asked God one time, what is a lame and a blind offering in our time. And God said, it is anything that you don't mind to get rid of. It blows my mind. When I watch God's people, you can teach them for an hour and ten hours, they'll still bring their dollar in an offering. They just don't get it. Jesus said... They just don't get it. They have ears, but they don't hear. He says, they, uh, uh, Isaiah spoke about that generation. They've waxed their hearts gross. They have hardened their hearts. Lest I come and heal them. Yes? And so he's talking about this thing. Now, let me just add this in. You must understand, you and I cannot impress God with money. God is a wealthy God. Come on, can I hear a better amen? amen? We cannot impress God with money. You can only insult Him with it. You're not going to come and impress God with a million dollars if you have a billion. You understand? God is looking for sacrifice. Say, He's looking for sacrifice. I always tell my children, please, and my family members, never buy me a cheap gift. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're going to buy me a gift. Make it count. Don't, don't, don't go to Kmart and go and buy me a set of screwdrivers at Kmart. Sorry, Kmart, but you are cheap. <laughs> Rather take the same amount of money. I don't need more money. Just go to Sears and go and buy me a craftsman screwdriver, even if you buy just one, because it's got a lifetime guarantee to it. Yes. Buy me something that I can really like when I see it. Same way with God. Don't come to God with offensive stuff that he will overlook you. He says, I want honor. He says, when I come to you, I bring to you riches and Louder. I bring to you riches and? Come on, church, you've got to be with me tonight. And that's the only way I know I've got you to really stay with me. And so when we come to God, we have to bring to God? Now, let's skip. He says, 
Verse 10, who is there even among you that would shut the doors for nothing or kindle a fire on my altar for nothing? God says, if you're going to make a fire on the altar, what do you have to lay on the altar? A sacrifice. Say that word loud. See, God is looking for a sacrifice. He's not inter- God was, Jesus was impressed when a woman brought a quarter of a penny, a mite. Because that's all she had. I mean, if you come to the altars of God, why not go to the third dimension? He, the third dimension is that the one that holds the hundredfold. And if you're going to ask God for the wealth transfer, why not go for that thick package over there and say, God, I'm not interested in the dollar. My aim is for the kingdom of God. My aim is for the mission fields. My aim is for this city. My aim is not just for my family. My aim is not just to have a Mercedes for myself. No, sir. I want our church to reach the world. Take wide, long strides with God and walk with the giants. Come on, give God a praise offering. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Glory to God. Wow. My Lord. Now he says, I have no pleasure. He says, I have, that's verse 10. So, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great. Among the Gentiles and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name. And, little, little louder, and God wants a pure offering. You see, fire falls on sacrifice. He says, for my name shall be great among the heathen, says the Lord of hosts. But you have profaned it. And that you say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. You, you said also, behold, what a weariness is it. Understand, they didn't say it, but their actions said it. Listen, church. What is one of some of the biggest problems we have in the church today? Number one is sin. Will you agree with me? There's sin in the camp. Yes. Come on, yes, amen. Yes. There's sin in the camp. Number two, there's rebellion. There's rebellion in the camp. Church is split up just like that. And then the third thing, there's poverty. See, they want us to believe that there's poverty in this nation. Because, listen, whether you believe it or not, they want to keep us right there. There's slavery going on. And we fall into the trap hook, line, and center. When your, when your child comes of age, guess what is the first thing they tell you? Get him credit worthy. Let him go and make debt. We want your child like we've got you. So we fall right into it. Isn't it greater to just walk in the blessings of God? You know what I call wealthy? You know what is wealthy, Pastor? When I've paid all my debt, and I have money left in the bank, and when God speaks to me about doing something for his kingdom, I can write out a check. That's wealthy. Come on, give God a praise offering. Give me my water there. Okay, so he says, but he says, you've snuffed at it. Now he says, um, 
Let's go to chapter 2 and verse 3. Behold. Now, let's verse 1. Thank you. Verse 1. Read it responsibly with me. Verse 1. Responsibly. 1, 2, 3. Who? Oh, let's try that again. And now... <laughs> you understand? God only deals with a priest. Still going on like that. First Peter 2 says we are a royal priesthood. Revelation says we are all being made kings and priests. And this commandment is for you. If you will not hear and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, listen, listen, listen. Let's not read it fast. Let's read it responsibly. Verse 2. Come on. One, two, three. Verse 3. Now you understand, is what I'm saying here. Is you, you've got to get this. You've got to get this, church, so that you understand. It's not just, this is not Jan Venter and his teachings. And I didn't, this is my own revelation I got from God. You know, I don't, don't want to impress you with that. But I'm just telling you right now, this is God speaking. This is God speaking. Say it, this is God speaking. Look at verse 3 again. He says, I will... And, oh, wait. See, the translators was very kind here. He says, I will spread dung in your faces. But it really is that word. And I cannot say it. But at least I can leave it over to your imagination. He says, I will spread. <laughs> yes, don't say it. But I will spread. See, think it. I will spread. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's try it again. But this time, leave the dung out and leave the other word out also. I will spread in your faces. He says, I'll go to your solemn feast. He says, even the dung from your solemn feast. And I will, one shall take you away with it. God says, I'm going to put so much shame on you. I'll go to where you have your toilets. This is God speaking. This is how serious this thing is. God says, I'll go to your toilets at the solemn feast where you have your wine and you have your bread and you dance and you have fun and so on. But you don't understand. I'm standing on the sidelines and I've corrupted your seed. And I will let you go away from your solemn feast and, and from your services on Sunday and you will have shame written all over you. Somebody say, wow. Say, wow. Wow is me. He says, and, uh, he says in verse 4, And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi. See, and he says, uh, says the Lord of hosts, he says, My covenant was with him, listen to this, of life and of peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherein he feared me. He's talking about the tribe now, when they got their act together. You see, when you get your act together, 
God is quick to repent over his anger. And he says, And I gave them to him for the fear with he feared me. And he said, And he was, and was afraid before my name. That's one of the problems, Pastor. The church have lost their fear of God. They have fear of Satan. They have the fear of their creditor. They have the fear of the IRS. But they've lost their fear of God. And he says, Now the law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. And he walked with me in peace and, say that word loud, equity. What does it mean? If there's any real estate people here, what does equity mean? It means value. He walked with me. Now, equity can also mean righteousness, but it means value. He walked with me, and he knew how to work with money. That's why God says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. That's where his priest is. Can you understand when, when, when you please God and all of a sudden God says, let the wealth come right here to faith church. Come on, give God a praise offering. And God says, they know how to honor my name. And watch what I'm going to do from now on. Somebody give him a big shout of praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 11, this is why God took Judah. This is why God took Judah out. Look at this. Judah had dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and he married the daughter of a strange God. And the Lord said, read verse 12 responsively. understand when you don't please God doesn't matter what kind of offerings you come and put in here you have to please God amen if you don't please God he corrupts your seed God is looking for a now let's quickly go to the next chapter here um We've already read chapter 2 and verse 15. And now verse 17 of this chapter 2 says, You've wearied the Lord with your words. And uh, yet you say, Wherein have we wearied him? When you say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Is that what is going on today in, this, uh, in the church, in this nation? They call what is evil good. And what is good they call evil. Yes. And it's happening in many churches. And so now go to chapter 3, and we're bringing this towards an ending. Are you with me so far? So he says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Now just pause there for a moment. Is it still okay? Can I take 10 more minutes? Is that okay? Wave at me if it's okay. He's talking about the messenger of the covenant. Who is that? Say, it's Jesus. And so what Jesus did, I want you to see this. People overlook this, but I want you to see what happens when Jesus comes out of 
out of uh, uh, the wilderness after he was tempted in Luke chapter 4. And he comes back into the temple. They give him the scroll, the book of Isaiah to read. And so he reads it. He opens it up and he finds the place where it's written in chapter 61 of Isaiah. And he says, this is my mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, enabled me. To come and preach, number one, good tidings or good news to the... Oh, come on. Come on, church. Speak it with me. Come on, say it. Speak it with me. He came to bring good news to the... One more time. You understand? The first thing God does and wants to do, He wants to rectify your financial situation. First thing. And then the last thing he says, to announce the good and acceptable here of the Lord. What is that? Is that Jubilee? Yes. So the first one, good news to the poor. The last one, the principle of Jubilee. What is the principle of Jubilee? Number one, I don't have time. I'll I'll take your children out of slavery. Number two, I'll cancel all debt. Number three, I'll restore what the enemy stole from you. Come on, give God a praise offering. Come on, give Him a praise offering. Hallelujah. I will make you the head and not the tail. Glory to God. Everything that has brought you to slavery, I'm going to put an end to you and restore your life as a child of God. We need that church. Come on, give God a praise offering. Glory to God. And so then he goes on. As we finish this reading, he says, he says uh, in verse, verse uh, 3, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify who? The sons of Levi. Say, that's me. And purge them as gold and silver. Why? So that they? Oh, Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody say, Lord Jesus, help us. Show me a church that is in revival. I'll show a church that is in prosperity. Show me a church that is in religion. And I'll show you a church that is caught up in poverty. Say, it's not God's will for me to be poor. This last hour, God is going to restore the church to a phenomenal level. And I want to challenge you today. Please ask God, Lord, help me to restore my offerings of righteousness. Come on, give God a praise offering. And then God says, look at verse 5, And I will come near to you, uh, to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against the false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and those that who do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 10. 
bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. Come on, give God a praise offering. Now here, what I'm going to show you here now is really wraps it all up. Here's how I see things. You see here, if I were to draw a graph, I would draw a cliff on this side and call this cliff God's side. And then draw another one on this side and call this one man's side. Now you remember what I showed you earlier when there was that gap. You remember? Here was the gap and it ended with Shem. And God had to bring Abraham and start something fresh. Say, God started something fresh. Now, you remember what happened. What brought Abraham in as, uh, into the covenant? What was that? God, he built the bridge. Say, and that bridge was 10%. And so, you can go read this again. As soon as he brought his ties, that very next day, God cut covenant with him. And said, I'm now going to change your name even. And so we look at man, and we look at man. Let's see what man offers. Man offers, or on man's side is sickness. Come on, help me. Death. Can we give me a few more? Fear. Sin. Pover- yeah, poverty. Come on, give me some more. Two, two more. Yes, but let's think about sufferings. Hmm? Yeah, pain. And we've got sickness there. Okay, so let's look at God's side here. So let's look at God's side. On God's side, we have, uh, let's go through it. Sickness, so we have healing. Death, we have life. Fear, we have peace. Uh, Sin, we have righteousness. Poverty, we have wealth. Pain, we have absolutely healing. But there's a problem. Everybody say there's a problem. Come on, say it again. There's a problem. See, God can get to us anytime he wants to. We cannot get to God. Yes? Let's try that again. God can get to us, but we... See, so what God did in his own great love is he built a bridge like that. And he stopped short. In fact, he went 90% of the way. Right? And he says to man, all you have to do is just join that bridge with your 10%. And I'll give you this whole mountain. Come on, give God a praise offering. See, that's all God wants. Does he need our money? No. We call that, we call obedience. That's all God wants. It's just obedience. And so he left that 10% out there because uh, when you have disobedience, it's like rebellion, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so God is saying, son, daughter, I'll give you my kingdom. Because that's the way of Abraham. The peach brings forth the peach. Abraham's kind brings forth 
Abraham's kind. Christ became the Word, we become the Word. And so the test 10% will be. Can you understand how important Malachi is? And here tonight, what you're going to do is you need to do, because, you know, if you, I don't want you to sit here with guilt. Well, you know, I haven't paid my tithes, and I'll say, you know, I'm not worthy. Well, at the moment, God is overlooking you. I'm telling you right now, God is overlooking you. See, he says, will a man rob God? Remember, he asked that, will a man rob God? Now, what happens, who goes to hell? What does the Bible say? It's murderers, thieves and robbers, liars, adulterers. Say they go to hell. You steal from somebody else, and if you don't repent, you go to hell. How about when you steal from God? I'm leaving that with you. You decide that. God says, I'm not interested in your money, only obedience. Stand with me. Will you just for a moment stretch your legs and put your hand up towards God and say, Lord, help me to change.